Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest has been identified as a leading commercial real estate attorney. He's the author of four books and over 140 articles on topics including practicing law in plain English and negotiating. His practice focuses on ground leases, hotel-related transactions, and unusual forms of collateral. The name partner at his firm, Joshua Stein. Welcome to Left Foot. Thanks for having me. I hope I say something useful. I'm sure you will. What personal strengths or habits do you bring to your business? Well, I'm a little different from a lot of my colleagues. In terms of getting clients, I really don't deliberately set out to get clients. I've never targeted any particular client, never tried to get any introduction to any organization. I happen to do three things. One of them is a lot of writing and speaking. The second one is I have cocktail parties to which I invite a bunch of people. And the third one is I send out occasional blast emails to my emailing list and I make some limited effort to be uh, visible in social media. So that's it. I don't do lunches. I don't do dinners. I don't uh, call people to check in. The work comes as a result of the things that I just described. Now, in terms of retaining clients, that's a different story. Retaining clients requires doing great legal work above all. And these days, a big element of doing great legal work is doing fast legal work because everything has to be done immediately. And then building a relationship with the client so that they think of you as something more than just a service provider or a machine that generates documents as quickly as possible. And so that requires thinking about people as people, building relationships, stepping back a little bit and giving some business advice, business thoughts, trying to think about the big picture, try to make some introductions when you get a chance. And then, of course, above all, doing great legal work, which means fast legal work. And that's how that's how I retain clients. A lot of great points in there. Let's talk about the speed and doing things fast. I have to say that I've talked to a lot of attorneys in the last year and a half, and I've talked to a lot of GCs. Doing things fast is not something that all attorneys see as a feature of their service, that that is seen as a differentiator. Why? Why is that the case? Why do some attorneys feel that they don't need to be fast? Well, I think it relates to the different types of practice. In my world, I'm almost entirely transactions. And in the last X number of years, It's been a competitive market for people trying to tie up and get control of any real property because there's been a lot of enthusiasm or perhaps irrational exuberance about all forms of real estate in the last five years. So every buyer or every developer who's signing a ground lease wants to show that they can move quickly. They want to get the deal before the next guy gets it. It's strike now while the iron is hot. And that's driven by sellers who have been in charge of things really for the last five years. I will say that in the last maybe three to six months, I have seen a slowdown in in that intensity because some of the exuberance is gone and deals are getting harder to make. But still, you do have this 
overall tone of strike while the iron is hot, get it under control before somebody else gets it. Let's just get the document out uh, so we can move the deal along. That's just part of my practice. And it, it is something that I see pretty consistently. Things move pretty quickly when people are trying to get a deal under control. So basically, the clients are looking for three things, really do it fast, do it really, really well, and uh, don't charge too much for it. So those are the three things that they're looking for. I'd like to be able to say you only get two out of the three, but I don't think the market tolerates that. Great points. Great clarification on that. Let's talk a bit about the difference in your world from a business development or even client retention perspective now that you have your own firm versus when you were with a large firm. Is there a significant difference or are you really pretty much going about it in the same way and it's just more possibly changing times that have created some difference? I would say that when I was at the big firm, I pretty much did the same sorts of things. Uh, There was more strategy to the business development. In other words, we kind of get together and say, here's some clients that we want to target. Does anybody know anybody there? And I participate in that in that not comfortably. And the good news is I don't have to do that anymore. I I never target any client, as I said. But the other thing about a big firm's client development is the big firms are good for certain types of work. And it tends to be larger matters where it's kind of a full court press and it requires if you do it right, you do it strategically, you you get the right kind of work for the firm. That's something that's going to involve typically the best, you know, the most appropriate matters for a large firm will involve multiple areas of expertise. In my practice, I have one area of expertise with a lot of sub areas and I just don't need to go about it the same way. And again, the things that I do to bring in business, I'm very comfortable doing those things and they bring in the work. They've kept me busy since I opened my doors August 1st, 2010. Fantastic. You talked about both writing and doing some cocktail parties, and I'd love to talk about both. Are you someone who speaks? Is that something you do at conferences? Yeah, the, the writing, when I said writing, I really mean writing and speaking. I do more speaking than most lawyers do. I could probably build that up and do more. One other thing that's sort of interesting about my practice, and remember, I'm a very weird animal in the marketplace because I basically am delivering large firm experience, documentation. Uh, well, maybe not always the documentation. I try to keep it simpler and shorter, but big firm experience, big firm expertise in a small firm context. So uh, people, lawyers from out of the city are pretty comfortable referring work to me. And I'd say I get about half my work that way. So I am speaking and writing in large part to lawyers, which uh, I was always told didn't make any sense, but it has been one of the backbones of my practice since August 1st, 2010. Uh, But yes, writing and speaking, I treat as one activity and it is primarily directed toward lawyers, which is odd. If talking to other lawyers that have different focus areas as a a means to get those referrals makes perfect sense. I can see why that has been a benefit for you. That said, when you host these cocktail parties, who's attending and how is that different? What's interesting about the cocktail parties is the process of setting them up and inviting people is almost as important as the party itself. So what I do is I basically, I, I have my outlook on 
contacts where I keep a, a pretty good database of everybody I know and want to stay in touch with. And it's about 2,000 people. And about, let's say, around 1,000 of those people are, get, get invitations to the cocktail parties. And many of them can't come. Many of them are out of town. But it's a way of saying, hello, how are you doing? Remember me? And it always prompts a lot of back and forth with the people who we invited. I, there was one particular case where a guy I've known for uh, 20 plus years in Washington state, got invited to the cocktail party. He said, well, you know, I'm not coming to the cocktail party, but how would you like to handle this matter for me? And how about I'd like to handle this next matter? So a significant amount of work from that client as a result of being on his radar screen because he had received an invitation to the cocktail party. So the people who come to the cocktail party are a mix of all different kinds of people that I know. There are some clients, there are other service providers, brokers, appraisers, uh, consultants, environmental consultants, all different kinds of people. As I said, some clients, some prospective clients, some former clients. I also invite some friends who are not in the real estate business at all, some relatives, and it ends up being a very eclectic mix of people who are all super high quality, super nice. And what's interesting is almost always I hear back afterwards that somebody ran into somebody at one of my parties that was their friend from nursery school or that they went to camp with when they were, you know, 16 or that they did a deal with 20 years ago and lost touch with. So it's a nice bunch of people. It's just saying hello to a lot of people at once. And I guess you could call it a networking party, although I really don't like that word. I get a lot of... uh, appreciation and a lot of people saying they enjoyed the parties. Fantastic. So you hit on a few things in that description that are very modern. And so I want to focus in on one of them. When we talk to social media experts about what's going on in business and social media, we talk about just staying in front of people, reminding them that you are part of their world and reminding them of what you do. Sometimes that extends to the quality of what you do. The fact that you might be speaking or that you've written an article, that can definitely become part of your way that you're staying in front of folks and you're networking from a social media perspective. That said, you know, you hit on it with just sending the invitation is a reminder that you are in business and the type of business that you do, whether or not that results in them attending or not. If you would, we talk about the fact that an invitation to a gathering can create an opportunity because it is networking. And then of course, connecting other people. Is there anything you do? Do you consider yourself someone who connects people? Is that part of how you approach each day? Not really. When you read networking books, they always say, give before you get. So, you know, you try to make introductions to people, help people meet their needs, and then hope that they will remember you when they have a chance to do a referral. I don't actually go out of my way to do that. I have found that if you try to play broker, putting together deals, it's actually a lot of work. So I don't do that. I think the brokers do it better than I do it. I certainly get referral requests and whenever I get an inquiry, somebody looking for a this type of lawyer or that type of lawyer, I always 
respond to those requests. And you know, the people that I nominate are typically people that I know. But the thing, I guess I'm a networker in the sense that I have these parties and I do send out blast emails and let people know what I'm doing. The thing that I found about networking is the people that you actually network with and know and invite to my parties, those are not necessarily the people who become clients. It, it's, it's two degrees of separation. It's when those people are asked to nominate somebody like me and then I'm on the nomination list. But I I don't deliberately go out and get people to nominate me for things. I sometimes get a little sort of embarrassed if somebody tries a little too hard to introduce me to someone. That's just me. Maybe I'm old fashioned. It just happens without my deliberately going out and saying, oh, I'm going to be a great networker by giving before I get or, you know, I'm going to get this person to be a client. No, I just I just know a bunch of people and stay in touch with them and, you know, stuff happens. You know, I agree with you. And I have to say it's one of the things that I as a career sales person, sales leader, someone involved in business development. You know, I'm not the most, although people disagree with me, I'm not the most outgoing person. And again, people I know laugh at that. They're like, what? And I said, because it's not comfortable. I've talked to a lot of lawyers and other professionals that feel the same way that, you know, a networking event or something labeled as such is the last thing they want to do. Going back to what you just said about what you feel comfortable about, some people feel comfortable doing different things. So what I feel comfortable doing is sitting in my office and write, or, or at my house or on an airplane writing articles and then placing them. I can walk down the street from my office to 51st Street. By the time I get there, I've come up with 10 good ideas for articles. I write pretty quickly. I can place them pretty quickly. And that's what I feel comfortable doing. And I feel comfortable having friends over for, for a party. I don't feel comfortable calling people I don't know or people that I know sort of and try and get work from them. I don't feel comfortable going to networking parties. The point is, there's a whole different ways of doing things, all different ways of building a practice and maintaining a practice. And the advice that I give people is do whatever works for you, whatever you feel comfortable with. Don't do something you don't feel comfortable with. Don't feel you have to you know, get out of your comfort zone. Figure out what you can do that's in your comfort zone that you want to do and just do it. Do something. And you know, if you don't do anything at all, you'd better be a pretty good technical lawyer to attract that business. But typically people there's something that someone feels comfortable doing. And, you know, if you do something and you do it for a long time and it never produces any work, then maybe you ought to try something else. But, you know, my advice is just do something that feels comfortable with a reasonable amount of time actually produces work. And if not, do something else. Absolutely great advice. What have you seen others do that you were like, hmm, maybe it wasn't for you, but you thought it was innovative or different or something that was unusual? You know, I guess I can think of when I was at the large firm, there were a few people who just made an incredible name for themselves out in the world without writing a lot of articles and books the way I do, simply because of the quality of their work, their their reputation, and their personality. I mean, the, the people that I'm thinking of had what I would call business development personalities, which means just basically being you know good people and nice to be with, made people feel comfortable uh, and as a result of that, they, they, they brought in a tremendous amount of work. I can also think of some household names in the real estate law business who have similar qualities, which I find very impressive, but that ain't me. How about a success story? Something that happened in your career where it was either a piece of business that maybe started small and grew, or it was a new client or current client that in your mind was surprising at how 
beneficial that relationship or that client became over time? I guess I would think of one, uh, they were doing a ground lease or development transaction and uh, it's a real estate company here in the city where I'd known the general counsel for a long time. And they came over and you know, there was a business person in the general counsel and we had a really nice meeting. And, you know, the usual thing, which is, you know, how quickly can you get the letter of intent out? How quickly can you get the ground lease signed? And I said, well, I should mention, I'm about to get on a plane to go to Rwanda to visit my daughter for a week. And I'm not going to be able to deal with your emergencies for a week, which resulted in the client saying, well, we love you very much, but we want somebody who's not in Rwanda for the next week and we're not going to use you. And then about maybe a year later, I got a call from the same client saying, well, we got another deal. We want to come in and use you. And so we did that deal and that went really well. And we've done some more deals for them and some more deals and some more deals. And they've become a major client. Another one is uh, sort of a similar story. I had a call from someone who was undertaking a leasing program all over the country for a certain type of tenant. And They called me and they said, you know, we know you're a great expert on leasing, but we really want to use a larger firm. We we respect you and we think you're good. Who do you think we should use for our leasing program? So I went and did some reasonable due diligence and I came up with some pretty good names, sort of the usual candidates here in Manhattan, and some of whom were sort of creative. And what ended up happening is the client said, uh, okay, thank you very much. I'm going to use this person. And they went off and did their business. And then I got a call six months later saying, well, we used that person. They did a good job, but the bill was ridiculous. And we thought that they made mountains out of molehills and they ended up using us. And we've been doing that work very happily for a couple of years. So my, my approach to this is not to try to really convert anyone into a client, but just to be out there knowing a lot of people, getting a lot of phone calls, helping out where I can, making referrals where I can. And as I said, the work just comes in. It's great. And that idea of doing good work and educating the clients is what I'm hearing. You educate them on how you do work and you're helpful in that. I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And frankly, that's where I think a lot of folks that are tasked with growing their business, stay on the business side, do things that are comfortable, be clear and be educational can, can be so helpful. Also, I think bedside manner, which is do it or not do it. It's not something you can fake. It's Caring about your clients matters, taking those matters personally, looking beyond getting the next document out, expressing your views about the matter, telling the client when you think they're doing the wrong thing, not worrying about losing the client. If you're just constantly in fear of losing the client, you may not tell them what you need to tell them. It's the whole thing of bedside manner and being a member of the team as opposed to a document production center. There you go. Great points. You wrote an article where you noted the line between the business issue and the legal issue and really the need to understand the line. And as we talk to lawyers and other professionals, accountants, actuaries, one of the things we're hearing more and more from the folks we're talking to at Left Foot is that it's important to be a strong business person, especially, of course, if you're in the the business lines of your field where you're dealing with business clients. There's a lot of discussion about do we need to educate are folks coming into the professions on business? Should we be looking for those that have pursued business degrees as well as professional degrees? In your opinion, is there a way a lawyer can really understand about the businesses they're in? Or is there some recommendations that you would give that new partner who's really spent the last 10 years focused on learning the law around their specialty area? Is there some advice you would give those folks around how to really understand the business side? The first piece of advice I would give is follow the money. And if you see where the money is and where the money might be, or you 
can figure out a lot of it just by paying attention. Pay attention, think about it. You couldn't go wrong by reading some book about real estate deals in my world or about corporate deals if you're doing corporate mergers. It's amazing. You know, we forget about books. We, we run Google searches all the time. But if you find a book by somebody who sort of knows what they're doing and actually read the thing, you learn a tremendous amount rather quickly. I tend to listen to books a lot too. Getting a, a real intense explanation of a particular item, a topic, whether it's you know on leadership or marketing, or it can be very, very helpful. You have strong energy about your work, about the fact that you've been able to grow your business pretty naturally, it sounds like. What do you enjoy most about the work that you do and the clients you work with? What, what do you enjoy most? Well, my clients tend to be pretty interesting people and pretty smart people. And I like interacting with them and learning from them. Similarly, the work I do tends to be pretty interesting and varied, and I like paying attention to that and learning from that. I've been doing this for more years and more decades than I would like to admit. And luckily, every time I do something, do a new deal, do a new transaction, do a new workout or a new expert witness assignment, I always learn something new. And I love that. And it, it often feeds into my my writing career as well. So I would say the best part is the interesting and smart clients and the interesting and smart deals. Enjoyable discussion. Any last points you'd like to make before we say goodbye? No, I think uh, I think we sort of covered everything and uh, I hope these comments were helpful. Thank you very much. Joshua, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot.